you have your Bible, turn with me, please, to Colossians to begin with, chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, for a little while this morning. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. We're still talking about the blessing of being in the kingdom of God. Uh, something happened when you got saved. Many things happen instantaneously. Other things are progressive. They're in a process but a lot of things happen instantly the moment you got saved. And this is one of those things that happened in instantly. You were placed in the kingdom of God. And if you don't understand the kingdom of God, then, <laughs> then you can't receive the blessing of being in that kingdom. It's not something you grow and mature and, and get a revelation of somewhere way down the line and you, you somehow come to, to certain degrees of sanctification. I've heard that. Uh, I, I understand where it comes from. I understand the doctrine of saved and sanctified. Uh, I, I get that. But this is not about that. This occurs immediately because of what the blood of Jesus accomplishes in your life. Amen. It's far more than when we first looked at it, particularly as Pentecostals. I was in a church when the way, you, you know, if, if my shirt wasn't to the sleeve, uh, then you were not able to preach in a pulpit. Because you were just not sanctified enough or holy enough. It was very difficult to receive the Holy Spirit because you had to be sinlessly perfect. In order to qualify according to them. And the ones that spoke in tongues thought that they were sinlessly perfect. They had to because they said he won't dwell in an unclean vessel. So you had to be perfectly clean. It's hard to receive the Holy Spirit. God could give it to you, but you wouldn't believe you had it, so you wouldn't open your mouth and see if you had it. I spent most of my time trying to get the Holy Ghost at an altar crying out to be pure enough to deserve it. Amen? I mean, it was an it was incredible hard time. Amen? D David said it right. Our, the, our conscience comes into play after a while. And he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, thou, O Lord, would not hear me. There's no point in praying. i got to get right with you for you to listen to me, for you to hear me. And that's true. Creating me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. Amen. But when you get saved and washed in the blood of Jesus, there's a cleansing that occurs and God begins to deal with you based on what the blood has done for you. Amen. Amen? God looks at you differently. Now, don't get this idea that, you know, you can go out and sin with impunity because God can't see through the blood. No, God can see through anything. Not using the grace of God as a cloak for sin, to cover up sin, cloaked for maliciousness. What shall we sin? Romans 6, 15, 16. What shall we sin that grace abound? God forbid. 
Another portion of Scripture said, For the grace of God that has appeared to all men, teaching us what? That we can sin with impunity because God can't see through the blood? No. Teaching us that we should live righteously and godly in this present evil world. Praise God. I mean, when you get that clean, you ought not want to go back into what polluted you and made you filthy. Amen. Amen. Perfecting holiness isn't becoming sinlessly perfect because you can't be that. No one could be that. If you could be that, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. The blood has put you in a position that if you ever realize what you have in Jesus, it is the greatest incentive not to go back and let sin attach itself to you. Let it reign in your body. See, it's... The scripture doesn't say that you can be sinlessly perfect, but it said sin cannot have any longer, should not have the primary influence in your life anymore. Let not sin reign in your life. Can you say man? How many has ever had a bad attitude? Sin. How many has ever got angry? And you didn't deal with it in, we, you say 24 hours? No, no. Don't let the sun go down. Don't take 24 hours for the sun to go down. It takes 12. If you start at dawn, dealing with it. <laughs> Can you say, man, if you start at daybreak, dealing with it. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't go to bed mad at anybody. Amen. There were some people here Sunday that, that we, I cleared up. Things, well, really, it was already cleared up, but it was just official Sunday. There was some forgiveness going on in here. Hallelujah. Disarming the devil <laughs> from anything that he could use against us as Christians when we pray and believe God. It was hard. It was hard. You see, the Bible said, let me read this. If I don't read a scripture, and I've got so much to say, and I want to get it out, and I've only got two hours and 15 minutes to do it. I'll never get this done today. I'm not going to try. The blessing of being in God. Let's read this together. Giving thanks unto the Father. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. I'm going to try to do this like a radio broadcast. Just fill with scripture. But continuing the thought when we have an opportunity to revisit this. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom, into the kingdom, into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, translated out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Want to define kingdom again without getting way off in theology? Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's all about the rule and the reign of a king. It is where a king rules in undisputed authority. Amen. So the kingdom of God is where God rules. The kingdom of heaven is where God's 
what, what is it? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's all about God ruling. It's all about Christ reigning. Thy kingdom come looks way forward in the future to when the king comes. Jesus, hallelujah. Amen. And you can see it in Daniel, that little stone. My pastor, years ago, I got saved at 12. I fell away. I got really rooted and built up in Jesus, repented of the sin that, that I was committing when I was 21 years of age. Thank God he saved me before I could do a lot of things that you can do at 21 if you're not saved. Amen? Just in time, he got a hold of me. Praise God. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God will come when the king comes. So thy kingdom come. We look forward all the way to the coming of Jesus Christ. That rock that was shewed out of the mountain. Amen. All the kingdoms of man fall according to the book of Daniel. And the kingdom of God starts as a little stone. Jesus is a stone that the builders rejected that's become the head of the corner. Can you say amen? He is the cornerstone. Hallelujah. And that little stone strikes the feet of all the kingdoms of man throughout the history of man. And his kingdom comes. And when it comes, it grows from a little stone to a mighty mountain. And the kingdom of God is here. And the kingdom of man has had its day. But that day is over. And the kingdom of God is come. And Jesus will rule. And he will reign with a rod of iron. For the king has come. Hallelujah. But thy kingdom come in the Lord's prayer pattern for us also means that Jesus becomes the Lord of my life and yours. I'm not just asking for that day in the future. I'm asking for right here and right now, who is going to run my life? Who am I going to bow to? And I'm saying, I want you to be my sovereign and my savior. Everybody say my sovereign, my king. And my Savior. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not just in the earth. When you come to the earth to rule and reign. But in me. Right here. And right now. Amen. Amen. Here's how most Christians do that. And I've told you before. They receive Christ as their Savior. Get their free ticket to heaven. And then as they go along the road. They decide. To what degree or not, he is going to be their Lord. And that's why many people are not going to go to heaven. Because they rejected him as Lord and tried to have him as Savior. You can't serve two masters. For you will love one and hate the other. There's no love and like. I like him, but I love him better. No, you love or you hate. It's light or darkness there's no in between and god's not trying to make it hard he's trying to make sure that we're sure that we are saved can you say amen don't let somebody tell you you're saved don't let anybody tell you you're saved you need to know you're saved that preacher wasn't saved he grew up in a church family he made ministry his vocation he graduated from a with high honors from a tri theological training center bible college he stepped into a pulpit with high credentials he preached on sunday morning but he never met jesus as his savior but when he met someone who knew jesus as his savior colonel bottomley 
and heard his testimony. He realized, I don't have that. And I need that. Can you say amen? And he got down on his knees in that service, full gospel businessmen's meeting, and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There are people singing about it in the choir. There are people that sang in quartets that didn't know Jesus, but they grew up in a singing family, and that's how they made their living. And they were singing about something they didn't personally understand or appreciate or appropriate in their own life. But later on in life, amen, was it, the, it wasn't the Sensational Nightingales, but it was another group. I used to play their music here. And, and, and one of the singers that had been with them for years and sang about heaven and all of that, he went to his mama's funeral and he remembered the words of his mama that told him. He said, she said, it, it, it's just as easy to sing about it as it is to say that you have something you don't have. It's just as easy to sing about it. You can sing all of those songs, son, but if you don't know Jesus, you're not saved. You're singing about something you don't know anything about until you give your heart to the Lord. He said he looked down in that casket at his mama and said, Mama, I want you to know that I am now saved. I'm not just singing about it. I know the Lord. And then they sang their song after that testimony. So everything that you see in the religious world, that don't, don't presume that anyone is saved. Because they're in a pulpit wearing clustered robes or reading from big, thick Bibles. Don't assume that everyone singing in the choir knows Jesus. Clearly, everybody don't. I work with deacons that hire, were on the pulpit committee when I was bivocational with Tampa Electric. I worked with deacons of large, prosperous churches. That told the dirtiest jokes I've ever heard. And I listened. Before I came to Jesus, I thought I knew them all. And these are the guys that hire and fire the preacher. I had to walk away. I had to walk away. And I thought, so this is what religion has created without a relationship with God. Translated, something needs to change. If any man be in Christ, anybody, this is across the board. If you really, listen, we've been baptized by the Holy Spirit into Jesus Christ. We have been translated by the Holy Spirit and, and by a positional righteousness out of the powers of darkness. If you don't give place to the devil, let me tell you something. He's looking for a door into your life. And if you shut the door, you can keep out the devil. Can you say amen? Because you've been translated. Make no mistake of did it say you were going to be or you're being translated or you have been? When did that occur? It occurred the moment that you received Jesus as your Savior. We have been translated out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom. That means Satan doesn't have an influence. If you don't get a Ouija board. Come on. Christians ought not be playing with Ouija boards. If you don't, you don't open the door to the occult, 
If you don't open the door through blatant disobedience, if you don't, if you don't open the door, he has no authority to barge into your life. You've been delivered from his prison house of darkness. The chains have been broken over you. And that's why it's up to you and me. We've got power and authority over him now. Let not sin reign. Don't let it rain. It used to rain, but it doesn't anymore. There's a new, new person reigning in our life, and it's Jesus. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Not just way down the line prophetically when Jesus stands upon the earth and rules with a rod of iron. But thy kingdom come in me in this moment here and now. The Bible said no man can call Jesus Lord. But by the Holy Ghost, if God hasn't drew you to him, if you haven't responded to his call, if you haven't bowed to his lordship, I have no problem with his lordship. I have a problem with my weak flesh. I don't have a problem with him giving me orders from his word. I have a problem with my weak flesh, not my will, my weak flesh. And I love God's understanding of our weak flesh. It doesn't give us the right to sin. But listen to how He wants to help us to overcome. He wants to help us. But He will not violate your will. But if you've got a willing spirit, He will help you with the weakness of your flesh. And everybody in here, your flesh is weak. And that's why the Bible said if you're going to follow Jesus, first thing you've got to do is deny yourself, that old self, that old selfish self. Can you say, man, that old self-serving self? And take up your cross. What does that mean? Oh, they call me Holy Rover. Oh, it hurt me. I'm, I'm hurt. They call me Holy Joe. Oh, I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. I used to park beside a Satanist car when I was bivocational. Had a big sticker on the back, something about pentagram, and, and then it had a sticker on the other side that says, Lord, deliver me from your servants. <laughs> Made me want to, oh, you, you, you didn't park by that car, did you? Oh, absolutely. He that's in me is greater. That's the car I wanted to park by. Can you say, man, Jesus is Lord. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I said, Jesus is Lord. Greater is, no, it don't mean I go messing with that stuff. It means that I'm not afraid. I'm not intimidated. Greater is he. Greater is he. Greater is he. Greater is he that lives in me than he that is ruling this old world right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. Teach us to pray. Acknowledge you have a Father in heaven and then pray for His kingdom to come. Yes, it's a two-pronged prayer. Number one is pray that a day will come when Jesus will come. And by the way, when He comes and He stands upon the earth, people are not going to bow to Him. The whole world isn't going to get saved when He gets here. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. And after he reigns for a thousand years during the millennial reign, 
the people who did not get saved and will not get saved, that spirit of rebellion that's in our flesh from Adam. Well, you have to crucify the flesh. You can't conform it. You can't make it religious. You can't make it righteous. Nobody can. Take up your cross. It doesn't mean feel feel bad because the world doesn't embrace you and people make fun of your Christianity and you've been hurt. Oh, booty-hoo. Can you say amen? You have not resisted, Paul said. He saw some of those people like that. He said, you have not, you have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. They haven't beat you till the blood run down your back like they beat me. They haven't stoned you and left you for dead with the blood running down his head and face. You have not resisted unto blood. You don't know what real persecution is. And you're already whining. Time to put on your big boy pants. Can you say, man, quit you like men and be strong. Act like a man of God. Don't act like some wimp. Don't be intimidated by the world. Don't put your light under a bushel when you're at work and try to let it shine when you get to church on Sunday. You leave it under the bushel, it's going to go out. It can't get no oxygen. It can't keep burning. So if it don't burn through the week, it ain't going to burn at church. You're just going to put it on going to sing this little light of mine i'm going to let it shine shine all over tampa baloney 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 if you don't live for god when you walk out those doors there is no light and i'm not when it says men will see your good works we're not talking about philanthropy we're not talking about helping the hurricane victim we're talking about living for jesus You're created under good works, and those works are defined in the Scripture as following Jesus, an upstream Christian in a downstream world. It's not what they see. Listen, there's plenty of people that are not saved doing wonderful things for the poor and other people. That's not the Christian's works that the Bible said that causes you to be a light. It means that you're a follower of Jesus. You become a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. You become the salt of the earth. Hallelujah. People see your good works. They saw it in my family. They're seeing it in my family. People that are in church that is just filled with all kinds of fillers. All kind of liturgies and formalities and Everything but a real experience in God. Have saw that there is a real experience in God. That's why a man in church, baptized in water, in church every Sunday, saw something different in me. Because I had a relationship with Jesus and he saw my good works. And my good works was not, oh boy, I'm going to give my car away to this needy family. My good works was I'm a follower of Jesus on the job. The bad jokes start, I I walk out. It's not self-righteousness. It's just that I got a different king now. I'm in a different kingdom. I'm a new creation. Old things have in fact passed away. Amen. We used to take one car load to ABC Liquor Store at our lunch hour. It was open late. So we jumped in a GTO. They, you, you know what they call GTO? A goat. Amen. One, one, I didn't own one because I couldn't afford it, but this guy was single. And he had a goat. 
A GTO. A little GTO. You're looking fine. You don't know that song? You're too young. You don't know hardly anything. You got a lot to learn, girl. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. And off we go to the liquor store. Liquor store closed at some point, but the Pizza Hut was open. There was an all night Pizza Hut back then. And this guy that owned the goat, we jumped in his goat, his GTO, and we roared because, see, we could get there fast, get back fast, and clock back in. Get all the liquor we could get for the 30 minutes we were gone. We didn't go for the pizza. We went for the pitcher of beer. And so we went down to the pizza. Can you picture me with a pitcher of beer? at a? Or It's hard for me to picture me that way. It's been a long time since the Lord saved me. But he did save me. I want you to know I wasn't a goody two-shoes that got better. I was a lost man that got saved. Glory be to God. I remember going into that pizza hut and and somebody traveling. Obviously, they were traveling because it was their whole family looking for a place to eat that was open late. They stopped at the pizza hut, a man and his wife and two children come in. And, and, uh, <laughs> and we were sitting there trying to guzzle as much beer as we could before we went back to work. I'm sitting there with the guy that owned the GTO. And he, he is, I could always tell when it was time to quit so we could at least finish our job because he loved Michelob. It's a brand of beer. It's just, you know, it's just one. He loved Michelob. And, and so somebody said, me too. Okay, just hush. Just don't go any further. We don't want to go back there. So, 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 so when they came and he drank, you know, this, all, 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 of, all of it, he wanted one more f- for the road. And he said, hey, hey, give me another Michelob. <laughs> and once Michelob become Michelob, you're one step over the line. You don't need a breathometer, can you say, man? It's already apparent. And so we're riding down Hillsborough Avenue running red lights in a GTO running 75 miles an hour on Hillsborough Avenue at 3 in the morning. But what really got me is how you get, you know, before you get saved, you're crazy. You just, you're, you're hog wild and pig crazy. Amen. Your flesh will go after everything. It has no limits. That's why you've got to put a limit on it. Deny yourself, that old self, and, and put that flesh on the cross by making Jesus the Lord of your life. You put it on, on the, our, our website. Quit looking for loopholes and make Jesus Lord. Can you say, man, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, in me, as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. 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 There's so many people sitting claiming the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. The Bible is serious about this because the name Lord is being used loosely. So loosely there are going to be people stand before the Lord on that day when we all stand before Him in account. And guess what they're going to say to Him? Lord! And they're going to talk about the works they did in His name. We built that for the Lord. We did that for the Lord. We did this for the Lord. But they didn't bow to the Lord. 
They claimed salvation without his lordship. They wanted the free free ticket to heaven, i.e., you want to get saved and go to heaven? Sure I do. Here's your ticket. They wanted to live their whole life in sin. Let me tell you something. First John is the litmus test for your salvation. You say, only God knows. No, the Bible said there, you can go in the Word and find out. First John says, he that committeth sin. Now, I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm not talking have a bad thought and repenting. I'm not talking about doing something you knew was wrong, getting on your knees, saying, Lord, forgive me because you're convicted. No, listen, he that committeth, and the word committeth means to live habitually in, without conviction. He that committeth sin, living habitually in sin. See, Jesus isn't Lord. You can't call him Lord. You can't claim he's Lord. You can't even say He's Lord and mean it except by the Holy Ghost. You've got to be convicted of your sin. You've got to be drawn to Christ by God the Father through the Holy Spirit. And you've got to bow to Jesus Christ. Romans 6.16 What shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Listen to this. For whoever you yield... Your members, servants, doulos. It's a stronger word than the person in that big mansion that is serving those rich people. No, it's not that. It's slave. Whoever you yield your members, servants to obey, his servant you are. Make no mistake about that. Whom you obey. Well, I can't be sinlessly perfect. What does that mean? That means that in your heart, you want to obey. You may struggle. You will struggle with your weak flesh. But you shouldn't struggle with his right to rule in your life. Can you say amen? Everybody say his right to rule. And you've got to give yourself away so he can. You know what the Bible said? It said we are bought with a price. You were redeemed because a ransom was paid for you. Someone had bought and paid for you with precious blood on the cross. And you are not your own. You are not your own. You are not free to go and do your own thing. And you've got to give yourself away. And Paul said it in Romans 12. He said... I beseech you by the mercies of God because of that he's bought you with that price to see that you're not your own and to offer your body. The whole of your being. Spirit, soul, and body. Because when you offer your body, your soul resides in there. Your spirit resides in there. God's spirit resides in there. Offer your body, therefore, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, for this is your reasonable service, seeing that you've been bought with a price. Give yourself away to God. One man who became a missionary to the nations of the world, he had just got saved. He had no money to give in the offering. They brought the offering plate to him. He couldn't give anything, so he sat it on the floor, 
And he put his foot in it and took it out. He said, Lord, I don't have anything to give you. But I give you myself. And I give you my all. He offered all that he was and all that he had. A living sacrifice. And God took and accepted that offering. And used him as a missionary to the nations of the world. Offer. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And it said, don't let the world. It said, be transformed and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need a new mindset when Jesus is the Lord of our life. Amen. Hallelujah. And where do we get the renewing of the mind? Every time I open the Bible and expose my mind to what has happened already in my spirit and I see it in the Word. Hallelujah. I begin to think differently. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord. And listen to the mind of Christ before you think, oh, I just have such revelations every day. I got up this morning and I saw you eating jello. It was green jello. Oh, hallelujah. That means money is going to come to you. It was green jello. Uh, no, I'm not talking about that kind of mumbo jumbo. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord. Who though he thought it not. See we're divine, defining it right. Somebody said I lost my mind and got the mind of Christ. For real. What I'm going to read to you from the word of God. That's working in you 100%. I was in a hospital room with a guy. His wife was upset with the doctor. And she was known for for blurting out some pretty bad stuff. Went to church with us. Her husband knew she was the way she was. We were in the hospital. Someone was in there sick and one of their loved ones. She said, as soon as that doctor comes back, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And her, her husband said, honey, I wouldn't do that if I was you. She said, I am, I am. I'm going to give him peace of my mind. He said, honey, I'm afraid there's not really that many pieces left. And, of course, then World War III started. And uh, it's time for me to just ease on, <laughs> easing on down, easing on down the road. If y'all going to fuss in here, ain't no praying going to happen while y'all are fussing like that. You're going to have to quit your fussing, telling off the doctors. If we're going to talk to the doctor, hallelujah. And so I had to come back later. Sometimes you have to empty the room before you can pray a prayer of faith. Jesus did it with Jairus' daughter. Can you say amen? All right. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Before any petition is offered, we begin to pray about God's Lordship, Christ's Lordship in our life. Hallelujah. What shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Romans 6.16 For whoever you yield, your members, servants to obey. His servant you are, whom you obey. 
whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death. But what's going to happen in that day when Christ comes and we stand before Him on, on there's a bema and I can't go in, time won't let me right now. There's two judgments. One of them you will not be at if you're a Christian. But the other one you will be at. But people at the wrong one are going to use that loosely used term. Lord. 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 They have not been translated out of the reign of Satan into the reign of Christ. Because they never bowed to Christ's reign. Scripture never talks about the way it's ordered. And it's God-inspired. There is no such thing as your Savior and Lord in Scripture. You can't get saved and decide whether or not He's going to be your Lord. If you don't want Him as your Lord, you have not got saved. You can't serve two masters, but you've got to serve one. And you're going to serve somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord. Robert Zimmerman, better known as Bob Dylan, when he had this brush with Christianity, and he came out with an album all about Christian things called a slow train coming, about death constantly approaching, and are we going to be ready? He's right about that. Whoever you yield your members' servants to obey, his servant you are whom you obey. That's why First John said, He that lives habitually in sin, unrepentant, unconvicted, is of the devil. And it doesn't matter if he's been baptized in water. It doesn't matter if he stands in a robe and preaches from a pulpit. It doesn't matter if she sings in the choir and teaches Sunday school. The Bible said when you walk out those doors, somebody is going to be your Lord. Somebody is going to be your master. And it can't be but one or the other. There is no middle ground. This is an amazing thing that we use loosely. The term Lord. Biblically, it's Lord and Savior. You're not going to find Savior and Lord. You're going to find Lord and Savior. If you don't want Jesus to be your Lord, you can forget about Him being your Savior. If you're going to just run your own life and, and have a Bible, some people raised in church, my son, raised in church, he's a PK. He's a pastor's kid. He knows all that stuff. He's baptized in water. He knows what to do to appease these, all these people wanting to get him saved, including me. But he never met the master until down near the end of his life. But thank God he met the master. And he said, Dad, don't worry about me because Jesus is my king. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my king. So don't worry about my soul. You've been to churches where people live for the devil all week long and hold a position in church on Sunday morning. You've been there. 
You've seen it if you've traveled around. You've been at work with people that have no regard for God. None. No regard for anything Jesus has taught in His Word. You just sit through it and get through it. One man who got saved in a full gospel business meeting, because you get where the Holy Ghost is moving, and if you, got, if you haven't met the Master, you're going to be convicted of your sin. And it doesn't matter what kind of titles you may have. Holy Ghost don't care about your titles, your denominational affiliation, whether you're baptized in water, immersed, or christened, or whatever. Amen. And how many times you've received communion, He cares about whether you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. person I know was dating a drug dealer. Grew up in church dating a drug dealer. I won't tell you all the details, but the, the lines where God himself is being blasphemed and offended kept being stepped over and there was no conviction. Absolutely no concern about it. Never any apology or repentance. Ah, but the money from dealing let you drive a nice car, go out and party every single weekend. And it drew that person in and that person with them in with them. Under the influence of the church, but choosing the darkness, a, a willful, volitional choice of darkness over light. Here in the city of Tampa, over near Suitcase City, as they call it, a drug deal is going down. And this young man who sat from time to time in our congregation and heard the gospel of Jesus Christ had the opportunity, raised in a home where he was taken to church. But he kept stepping over the line, no conviction, continuing to go down that road. A drug deal goes bad in the kitchen of an apartment in Suitcase City. He's shot dead. And because at 12 years old, without understanding the gospel, without understanding anything about the lordship of Jesus or the kingdom of God, he is taken down front. Asked if he believed that Jesus has been risen from the dead, told that he was saved and baptized in water. And at his funeral, guess where he goes? And I'm not saying someone should get up and hurt everybody because it ain't going to help him. But don't imply that that's all there is. What, what about the new creation? What about spiritual regeneration? What about being translated out of the power? Clearly, there's no one set free from that. That power ruled to the end. What about that? How can we reconcile that? How can we keep telling people they're saved when we know the Bible will not allow it? You live that to the end. The last thing you do. And there was more to it than this. There were lines where God himself was blasphemed. Not just drug deals going bad. But guess what? You end up in heaven. So you send a message to everybody. That's all there is to it. I don't have to get right with God. 
I don't have to concern myself with the Lordship of Jesus. But on the day that I stand before Him, I'm going to call Him Lord. But it's not going to work. I'm deeply concerned about this because I've seen it all my life. All my life. And it doesn't seem to matter to the preacher. It don't matter to the deacons. It don't matter to the organization. Get the people in. Get the money for the project. And all is well. He that committeth sin, live habitually in, First John says, without conviction, without repentance. If we confess our sin, what happens? He's faithful. And He's just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from iniquity. But you can't go to heaven with unconfessed sin because you don't want Jesus to be the Lord of your life. How many don't have a problem with Jesus being the Lord of your life? But how many do have a problem with carrying out that because of your weak flesh? I do. My flesh and my spirit are at war. Amen. Say, Brother Bummer, I thought you were so super sanctified that you never have a battle with your flesh. Oh, man, just spit in my face and watch me have a fight with my flesh. (laughs) Don't do it literally. Don't do it literally. Don't ever take me literally when I say things like that. Honestly. Slap me. Not really. And I'm going to have a... Tr- but you know, I can get slapped without physical slapping and I can get spit on without really being spit on. And something can rise up in me and I have to make a choice. I have to choose at that moment. Am I going to give in to my weak flesh or am I going to do what I... Oh, remember that sold a lot of little bracelets. W-W-J-D. What would Jesus do? Well, we all know what he would do. But what are we going to do? Can you say amen? I need to get a bracelet that says W-W-B-D. What would Bobby do? Well, he's supposed to do what Jesus would do. But I need to be reminded. I love this about Jesus. While deserving and demanding absolute obedience, he understands our weak flesh. He's going into the garden. And by the way, when he went into the garden, it wasn't easy because he took on flesh. And he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. But he understands the weakness of our flesh, and he understands the pull of the world and the influence of the culture. But in Simon Peter, who had the weakest flesh of all, he saw a willing spirit. And that's what he's looking for concerning his lordship in you and me. Because even though you and I have weak flesh, if we've got a willing spirit, he will, through the Holy Spirit... Give us what we need to begin to be more and more obedient to Him. But He won't violate our will. 
You have to will it for him to grant it to you. But the moment somebody told me, I'm going to quit drinking as soon as the Lord takes it away from me. But God ain't going to take it away from you, darling. I'm going to quit smoking when the Lord takes it away from me. Man, I, I, I had a smoking habit. And I, I decided I was going to quit. And I, started, I quit smoking Lucky Strikes. And I started smoking OPs. You know what OPs are? Other people. Other people's. I'd go to work. I'd, I'd quit smoking. I'd, I'd, I'd take my luckies. I'd crumble them up. This is before I got saved because I didn't have God to help me. So I just made one of those resolutions. You know, I'm going to quit smoking. It's costing too much. I got a baby at home. And I'd, I'd wad it up, throw it out the window. I'm done with them. I'd get to work and start having a nicotine fit after two hours. If you've never smoked, you don't know about a nicotine fit. It's when you get that craving. Uh, You want it more than food. So it's a real craving. (laughs) There are people that put it before food. And and I'd go up to somebody and say, say. You know, because I already told her, I quit smoking. I have quit. Don't smoke around me. But then... I'd go up to somebody and say, have you got a cigarette? And sometimes I'd go to another department because I was so embarrassed after I told them I quit. I'd go, over, I'd go over in the department that was different, and I'd go over and run up to somebody and say, excuse me, have you got a light? And they'd pull out matches or a lighter, and I'd say, oh, I forgot my cigarettes. <laughs> Boy, you, you get really, you know, you get sneaky about all this stuff. Well, I think I, I, I can spare you one. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Getting a light for a cigarette I don't have. Smoke that smoke. smoke. What is it? Smoke, smoke that cigarette. Tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate he's just going to have to wait because i got to have another cigarette. That's an old country song anyway. It's about addiction. And I was addicted. I was addicted. I was addicted. There's all kinds of addictions. And our flesh is weak. So he says, Peter, couldn't you watch with me one hour? Couldn't you watch with me one hour? Peter, stay here and pray. Peter falls asleep. His flesh is weak. He wants to obey. He has the intention to obey. He's got a willing spirit. But he has weak flesh and he hasn't conquered it yet. And he doesn't know how to conquer it, but he's going to conquer it. He's going to conquer it till he can literally be crucified. For the sake of the gospel. Without caving in or giving in. Or being moved at all. How can this vacillating, failing man, so presumptuous, come to that place? Listen to it carefully. If you've got a willing spirit, God will help you overcome your weak flesh. I don't want you to be discouraged in yourself, that new self inside. Amen. But you will be discouraged in your weak flesh because it will never, ever conform. It has to be put to death because if you let it do what it wants, it'll do what it always used to do. But listen, if you're renewed in the spirit of your mind, amen, it changes. Your spirit and mind are now in agreement with one another 
and it's two against one. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. When you're, re- when, you're, when you're regenerated by the Holy Spirit, and then you're renewed in the spirit of your mind by the Word of God, as a man thinketh in his heart, the word heart can mean spirit, depending on the use of it. The word heart can mean mind, depending on the use of it. And you, and you don't think in your spirit, you think in your mind. It's the soulish part of you. There's a bent toward righteousness in your spirit, but it has to be achieved by the renewing of the mind and then the conquering of the flesh. Everybody say the conquering of the... Your flesh can be conquered. When I want to say the wrong thing and I hold my peace, I just won a battle with my flesh. But there is no battle between the Lordship of Jesus and my spirit. None at all. The battle is with my weak flesh. But I have an ally in this war. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. When Jesus found him sleeping, he could have disqualified him as an apostle then and there before he ever denied him. He could have told him how awful he was. And how can I put my trust in you and use you? How can you be anything for me, you, 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 you lazy rascal? But you know what he did? He did tell him, this is wrong. What you just did is wrong. Couldn't you watch with me? He'll never condone wrong. But listen how he deals with him to encourage him to overcome what was wrong. Couldn't you watch with me one hour? And Peter's feeling so terrible now. But then he tells Peter something to help him to have courage to not give up on himself or give up on God because God is not giving up on him. Jesus said, the Spirit, I'm looking past your weak flesh right now. I'm not condoning it. You don't have license to do wrong, but I'm looking where it all matters most. The Spirit is indeed willing. But the flesh is, always has been, and always will be weak. But that's okay. Because God will work with us based on the willingness of our spirit. It is God. It is God that worketh in you. The Bible said it is God that worketh in you. Both to will and to do. Hallelujah. Not just reveal His will so you can do it, but to will and to do of His good pleasure. To give you the power to do it. Personally, from Him I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be set free. You can follow Jesus. You can have the chains of habit broken. You can defeat the enemy of your soul. You can be a representative, even an ambassador for Jesus Christ in this fallen world. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 If you've got a willing spirit and a willing God who's willing to come and live in you and give you the power to overcome, there's nothing that you can't overcome. 
for it's God that worketh in you. And the, you know what the Bible calls us when he's free to work in us? He calls us his handiwork, just like the heavens. All that power that created the heavens begins to flow into you and to flow into me. Hallelujah. I'm so glad God loves me. He understands every battle I have with the flesh. And he knows there is no battle between my will and his. I have a willing spirit. I want him to know it. Can you say, man, I got saved. I bowed to him and I bow to no other. I struggle with my flesh, but I don't struggle with his lordship. Say, man, is it all right to have that kind of tension between the flesh and spirit and say, but it's okay. I will always struggle with my flesh, but I will never struggle with his lordship. And when I miss it, his lordship will, will overrule. I will feel convicted. I will get on my face. I will get on my knees. I will seek the forgiveness that he willingly grants. And not just to be forgiven, I will seek power to overcome my temper. By the way, everybody's got a temper. It's called your temperament. It's resident in your emotions and your flesh. I used to put it this way. God, the devil knows where you got your goat tied. Not your GTO neither. You've heard of that just really got my goat. Amen. That, that means that really stirred you up, made you angry. Well, the devil knows where you got your goat tied. He wants to stimulate your anger. He wants to try to get you into unforgiveness and have you justified. Amen. He wants to disqualify you from getting an answered prayer. He wants to malign you until you don't believe you're worthy of his love or his grace or even his help. My son said, and I've got to close with this. My son said, Dad, because God had set him free in an area and by an act of his own volition, because he hasn't accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior, he wanted the free ticket to heaven, but he had never bowed, bowed and said, Thy kingdom come in me. And it's got to come in us. And he said, Dad, he set me free. He healed me. And I chose. I made a choice. And it was wrong. And I went back into what he delivered me from. After being set free from it. Do you think God is punishing me? And you know something? I knew better. There's a spiritual law. Listen to it carefully. God doesn't have to get up every morning and decide who he's going to whoop. Every choice you make has consequences. And if the devil can convince you through those consequences that God doesn't love you anymore and he wants to hurt you, then the very God you need to help you. You see, my son thought, I've stretched his grace to the limit. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. 
If there's a limit on grace, it's not grace. The only limit on grace is when you don't repent of your sin and receive His forgiveness. If you don't repent, then grace is limited. It can't work. But if you repent, grace is unlimited. And here's how this works. I've got to close, but this is important to get here today. I'm not, I'm not trying to follow somebody else's doctrine or somebody else's ideas. I'm telling you what the Scripture said. And I'm telling you how to get somebody into the kingdom when they think they don't deserve the kingdom. Because none of us really do without the grace of God. Can you say, man, the love of God? I wanted my son to know it's not too late to receive grace and mercy. It's not too late to get on the right road. God hasn't abandoned you. And God isn't going to throw you in the trash can because you made it. No, God isn't whipping you. Your choice has brought the consequences. He wants to help you. He don't want to hurt you. Sin is what's going to hurt you. Satan is what's going to hurt you. Jesus is the one that's going to help you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know something? He received it. But back when I got saved, it wasn't that way. And back when you got saved, it wasn't that way. You deserve nothing but, thank God, Peter did not get what he deserved. He didn't get justice. He got mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what, what did it do to him to be loved and forgiven when he truly repented in his heart? He became a great apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only did he crucify the flesh, he allowed his body to be put on the cross without denying Jesus. Amen. With a deep devotion. So deep, historians tell us, not the scripture. But they tell us that when they went to to crucify Peter, he said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified as my master. Invert my cross. Turn it upside down. There's no proof of that. That is coming down through the age. One thing is for sure. He gave his life for the gospel. And he never blinked. And he never flinched. Because he fell in love with Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I said, son, God loves you. He wants to help you. It's sin that's hurting you. It's Satan, Apollyon, the destroyer. But God wants to help you. And I watched that full circle come. And I watched my son begin to talk about Jesus now as his king. And heaven as his home. Hallelujah. And I'm glad I was able to tell him that God didn't give up on him. So that he would repent and receive the pardon that is provided through the blood of Jesus. And have the hope of heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, the devil wants everybody that has failed to live in that defeat, to deceive you into thinking God doesn't love you. He can't use you. He will not. I don't deserve it, so there's no point. I prayed for a man. He was my stepdad. He had a massive heart attack, and I went and prayed for him. And I said, Howard, Jesus died for you. 
He shed his blood for you. There's no sin in your life that he can't forgive except the sin that is unconfessed. And if you repent of your sin, receive him as your Savior, he'll forgive you right now. And he looked back up at me and said, I haven't cared about God or Jesus my whole life. He was a hard man, independent, self-sufficient, truck-driving son of a gun. He said, I haven't called on him all my life, and I'm not going to call on him now. And your spirit is grieved, and you think you can get everybody to to the cross, but you can't. And he walked away. I walked away. He had another massive heart attack, and I came back again with the good news of Jesus for him. And he said, no. But here's my prayer, and I don't want anyone to wait this late. But there was a hospital ride from Camp Tiger, where his trailer was and his boat was, from Camp Tiger to the Lake Wales Hospital. There was a ride in the back of an ambulance. And I'm going to tell you something about God. On one side, there's a thief that says, remember me. One of them cared about his skin, the other about his sin. Amen. If you be the Son of God, come down and save us, deliver us. Come down from the cross and get us off of the cross. The other man said, let him alone. This man's done no wrong. We're getting the just punishment for our sin. And then he looked over at Jesus and said, Lord, Lord, there it is. There it is, Lord and Savior. Come on, there it is, Lord. Remember me when you come in your kingdom. But his kingdom was accepted right now in that man on the cross. Can you say amen? And Jesus showed him that it was accepted right now because he said, Today! Today, not when I come to stand upon the earth, not after the resurrection from the dead. Today, we're going to draw our last breath, but you're going where I'm going. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, if you think Jesus was tormented in hell by demons, that's not paradise. That doesn't line up with Scripture. It's just somebody trying to find something different and call it a revelation. Paradise? Paradise. He will not suffer His Holy One to see corruption. Can you say, man, God just won't allow it. You can't punish Him. He didn't sin. You can punish a lot of people. You can't punish Him and you can't punish them that have repented of their sin and been washed in His blood either. Devil, you're going to have to take your hands off of Him and you're going to have to take your hands off of them. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be a blood-washed saint of the living God today. I don't want to go out and drag this righteous robe in the dirt. Can you say, man, it's too pure, it's so holy, it's too precious to me to have the gift of salvation hallelujah how many in this room have a willing spirit wave at me if you've got a willing spirit how many of you in this room got weak flesh boy we (laughs) i got a hundred percent on both that's good news because that means that god it, God is released because of your willing spirit. 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are released into your life. Heaven's resources are released into your life to help you to overcome your weak flesh Can you, and live for Him and follow Him and let it be known that you don't serve that old master. You serve another king. Can you say man? For you have been delivered, translated out of the powers of darkness into the, what? The kingdom of God's dear son. Hallelujah. This king rules and reigns in me. Jesus reign in me. Did you get anything out of this teaching? How many people want to go on for God and live for him? In spite of your weak flesh, put it on the cross and live for him. Hallelujah. Well, let's seal it with a song today. Hallelujah. My son came back to Jesus. I'm glad he didn't disqualify himself from grace. I'm glad he didn't think that God hated him. God didn't love him anymore and God wouldn't help him. I'm glad that he knew. Hallelujah. I will call upon the Lord. Aren't you glad God saved Saul of Tarsus? Aren't you glad God forgave Peter and he went on to accomplish for the Lord what he did? Aren't you glad God forgave King David? And let him live, die with a testimony. These be the last words of King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, that man after God's own heart. Can you say, man? Only grace and love and mercy can make that happen. But it can, it will, and it does today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So, I beseech you by the mercies of God to sell out. Offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Be no more conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might exemplify, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thy will be done in me as it is in heaven, in this earth today. Father, I praise you. I praise you. Let's stand and give him praise before we leave today. Hallelujah. How many glad you came to church? Glory to God. Hallelujah.